You know they want staring point, you know we straight to the point Boy Chris with assist, fast breaks like a joint splitting half Boy J with the J, we throwing heat, no gas, that's a touchdown pass You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Now they hardly can guard me like Dirk fade away You know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say Yeah, you know just how we coming, so it's nothing left to say They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the point They want staring point, you know we straight to the straight to the Hemi76 bringing us into episode number 51 of Straight to the Point. My name is Chris. Here with my guy, J-Dub. Yo, what's going on? Yo, we got so much to talk about. The year of 2020 is almost over. So we got to talk about the highs and the lows of this past year. Talk a little bit of the college football playoffs. Some Heisman finalists have been announced. We'll give our thoughts on that. We'll talk about the NFC and AFC playoff races tightening up coming toward the end somebody's got to make it we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the nba opening night the season is back we got a lot of thoughts coming out of the first couple of games of the season j-dub so so much to dive into i think we need to start in your favorite realm the nba because the nba is back and we've seen a lot of and we've seen a lot of teams and a, a lot of fresh faces in new places we got Drew Holiday with the Bucks. We got the bench of the Lakers reloading, revamped. We got the Clippers, new coaching on the bench. So much is going on. Brooklyn is Brooklyn in the house. Got Katie cooking, Kyrie, Warriors, new look. We don't know how things are going to shake out in the Golden State. Where is your attention at, J-Dub? First things first, coming into the NBA. Um, I think I'm gonna have to start with the Atlanta Hawks, actually. Really? What I'm seeing from the Atlanta Hawks, I don't, I think they can be poised to be an AFC team, maybe a little higher because they were talking about that the East in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at this lineup, they have Trey Young dropped 37 points, seven assists, six rebounds, and they absolutely demolished, demolished the Chicago Bulls. But the lineup they were running with was Trey Young, Cam Reddish, John Collins, Neil Garnari, and DeAndre Hunter running in new signing of Bogdanovich off the bench, Kevin Herter, and then Ronald even played due to um, COVID restrictions and stuff like that, just making sure that they made sure he tested negative and you can't play after you do your COVID test. So when you look at that team, though, I'm liking how this is a team that's really come up and they're really developing and growing. Don't forget that Clay Capella is going to be coming back from injury soon. This team has the talent that you can really see them make a push for the playoffs. I'm just more inclined to see how Trey Young's going to make this second leap now that he's really into the league. He has the star talent around him now. I want to see how John Collins makes another reach and makes another step. I like the, the, the Danilo Garinari signing a lot because of the fact is now it takes more pressure off him. Danilo Garinari's always been one of the guys that people think is going to be a number two option or number three. I think now in this role, he's going to be a number three, four option on this team, giving him less pressure just to knock down threes, good stretch four playmaker at times as needed. And I really like what I saw from that first game. I hope they can do it throughout the season. Another team that I really enjoyed watching was the Phoenix Suns. Even right. though it was, a, it was a close nail-biter against the Dallas Mavericks, Chris Paul didn't have to put up the numbers that you would think that he would need to put up for the Suns to win that game. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker had 22 points, but Mikael Bridges was one of the guys that really stepped in and focused and enhanced his role, scoring 18 points. I think he was the second man high on the Suns team. And Chris Paul only did about eight points, five assists, and four rounds in about 28 minutes. But his go-to bucket at the end, him and Devin Booker going back and forth in the late stretch to really take the lead over the Dallas Mavericks is what you want to see. That's what that Chris Paul veteran leadership brings in that the Suns didn't have before. Another clutch shooter, a guy that can go off the dribble and hit a pull-up jumper when needed, even if he's not scoring all night or he's not hitting the shots that you need for him all night. So I'm really like what I see from them. That's another team that can make a playoff push. But the West is so heavily deep. You're looking at a team like the Suns, the Pelicans in that uh, conference. We're going to, even though I saw that the Portland Trippers lost, I still that's another team that can make a push for the playoffs. There's just so many teams. And then people are telling me don't sleep on the Warriors. I think the Warriors might be out this season. I, I I might be wrong, but I don't think I have a lot of faith in the Warriors. Draymond's still out. He won't be playing for Christmas Day. But even if he does play, I don't think that's going to be making a difference because right now all the focus is on Steph because of they're lacking so much firepower everywhere else. Kelly Oubre only scored about six points in that game where they were dominated by Ines. Andrew Wiggins' jump shot is horrendous. He cannot shoot the ball. And his scoring is so limited that teams are able to play a focal defense on him, stopping him from going 
to the basket, he can't really shoot the ball as well. James Wiseman had a pretty good game in garbage time, 19.6 rebounds. You can see the growth from, you can see the potential growth that he's going to have and how good of a pick he was for them. Mm-hmm. Now this is potentially going to help them later on when they get Clay Thompson. But right, and right now I don't like the Warriors. I don't think the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. I disagree with you on this. I like that Wiseman pick and I've been someone who's big, I've been a big proponent of that Wiseman pick. You see what he brings to their team. If they're healthy, they have a Clay, they have a Draymond, they have Wiggins who, like, you know, we all say, he, he, you know, jump shot ain't there. But he does a lot of different things on the floor. You pair that with Wiseman. I think that the I think the Warriors could could sneak in. I think they're they're a sneaky team in the West. And if they get in, you don't want to see them. They have a lot of championship experience. I don't think that their window of opportunity is fully closed. Yes, I think it's significantly less than what it was in the past. You know, you're not going to see them going to five straight finals. But this team suddenly hasn't forgotten how to win. You know, you just you, you move some pieces around and yes, you make it harder. But I think Steph, you know, Steph Curry is still the best shooter ever. Clay Thompson, the most the most fundamentally pure shooter ever. Some people say uh, Draymond brings a lot of, of presence. Wiseman's a young, fresh face. Steve Kerr, you know, the one of the most decorated players, coaches, executives people around the league in league history. So they have a lot of winners is what I'm saying. And I don't think that you're, I think it's premature to count them out. Now, do I think that they have, you know, do I think they're going to win the finals? No. But do I think that they can make a run for a playoff spot? Absolutely. Um, the roster they have now, I don't, if they had Clay, I would be more inclined to say, oh yeah, that's a playoff team. Yeah. Without Clay Thompson, I don't really have a lot of faith in Kelly Uber and Andrew Wiggins to get it done. I like the Andrew bringing Andrew Wiggins in and mm-hmm. bringing Clay in. I mean, bringing um, Kelly Uber in, mm-hmm. but that's only if you had kept Clay. And mind Here's you, they, the they, they have, brought they have Uber Clay. In. They have Clay. Clay got hurt. We don't know what the the full extent of Clay's Clay. probably out for the season, probably. But we don't know. Kelly hasn't hasn't said anything. Let's for the sake of argument say he's done for the season. I don't think they're done as a team because you have so many different factors. When if they start to get healthy. I think they can make a little push. You know, who no no one's going shot for shot with Steph Curry. You know, let's just let's just put that out there. Like no one is going shot for shot with him. Very few people can go, you know, like that. You have these different factors, you have these different pieces that that can bring a lot to the table. Will it metabolize will it metabolize into a you know seven for HD? I think it's very possible. I don't think it's out the realm of possibility. Is it likely? That's a different story. Is it possible? Yes. I think that they I think they could sneak into a seven seven for AC and, and God and God forbid if you're a two seed, like if you're a two seeded, like let's say for the sake of argument, a two seeded Clippers team and you got the Warriors the first round. Uh, you think you're a little you're a little skeptical. You can't just overlook them, you know. I think they're getting swept. I don't think they're getting no, no, they're not getting swept. I, I see them getting swept. You're, if Clay's not playing, very they're getting swept. You're very disrespectful. Steph's gonna average to Wardell a good thirty-eight points that series, but he's getting swept. You're yeah. very disrespectful. You're very disrespectful. The last team I want to talk about, you know, is our fan favorite. We're gonna have to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Wait, 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 wait. I want to put this out there because I've gotten a lot of hate from my apparently I'm a Tobias defender. I'm gonna put it Tobias up. Defender. I am. I want to put it out there for the record. Yes, I am a Tobias defender. I want to like him. I'm going to find reasons to support him. I mean, you was yes, a he, proud yes, defender. He, wait, wait. Yes, he went three for 13. Yes, he had a bad game. He still does a lot of good. All right, go ahead. Um, I wasn't really going to mention Tobias as much. I was going to say about the positives, but I guess we could start with the Tobias Harris thing. Tobias Harris is getting overpaid to score 10 points in a game. All That's, right. But we know that. We, we do that. Since so fans that. get it, $180 million was way too much. He's making $34 million this season. We get it. I, I get I understand. it. We, we thought it was going to work out, but Tobias is in the stretch four you really wanted to see. Maybe I think under Doc Rivers, he'll, he'll start to get it. He still seems a little hesitant. But that I think that's just going to come with as games go on. He's under this new system. What I like for the see from the Sixers was Joel Embiid looked healthier. And when I say healthier, I'm talking about fitter. He looked skinnier when it comes to his upper body. He was actually mobile on the court, moving up and down the floor, where he was actually running in transition with Ben Simmons. He actually caught a transition lob, which was just something many Sixers fans will Embiid should catch a lob. He's seven foot. No, it was a transition lob. I haven't seen a transition lob from Joel Embiid mm-hmm. since his rookie season. 
He hasn't run down the court that fast to catch a transition lob or cut baseline like that in a while because of the floor spacing. There wasn't enough room for him to make that transition, especially last season. If the B was trying to cut baseline last season to catch a transit, catch a lob from Ben Simmons, yeah. Yeah. Al Horford would be right there in the way. He's not, there's, there's no way you're going to do that. So I liked what I'm seeing. Embiid really stepped up in that fourth quarter against the Washington Wizards. He was he scored, I believe, 15 straight points for the Sixers. He was the only one really scoring at the time. And he was just putting on a sh- after having been scoreless for the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I liked what I saw from Ben Simmons a little bit. 16 points, seven assists, nine rebounds. And you just get to see you get to see Ben Simmons a little bit. He was he looked a little timid, but I think he's going to continue to be more aggressive under a Doc Rivers system. His passing is always going to be there, but the way he goes to the basket, I think he needs to be more aggressive. But I really liked what I saw from Tyrese Maxey and Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard was a great signing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Ten rebounds off the bench, four points. And we don't really need him to be a great scorer for us, but you get a guy that can come in and grab offensive rebounds, which is something the Sixers generally struggled with last season, and he's just a good defensive presence. And Maxey was able to make his presence known right away coming into the game in the first half. He put on he, he put some points in the – I guess we're going to start calling it the M&M, Shake Milton and Tyreek's Maxi show. It was really good to see. You get to see a new revamped Sixers. The offense looked a little fun. The second unit was really what brought this team together because the all, the starting lineup is still a little underworked. Danny Green, we knew what we was getting at him. Bricks. We knew, he but, you knew gotta real, but you got to realize with Danny Green, he has pretty, pretty much had no offseason. No, no, not even that though. You knew what you was getting with him. A guy, he's been like that since the Spurs days. This is a guy that will knock down four threes straight. And then after that, he'll just hit very, a cold stretch. We very streaky, very streaky. But it's I, I still like the defense I saw from him. He was able to put Shake, I'm not Shake, I was about to say, he was able to put Russ and Beal in certain positions where they weren't able to hit the shots they would normally want to hit. Same thing with Shake Miller. He came in and did great defensively on Bradley Beal. Seth Seth Curry, I liked a couple of shots. He, I think he only hit one three, but just off the pick and rolls with Embiid were really good with the Florida game, his mm-hmm. mid-range. So I like what I saw as a revamped offense. I like to see the growth. Russ Webster got a triple-double first game with the Washington Wizards. I think this is the first triple-double triple double in a home opener for the Wizards. They were about, home. I mean, first in a season opener. Thank you. And it was it was good to see. 21 points, 15 rebounds, 11 assists. Bradley Bill had 31 points, two rebounds, three assists. But when you looked at this duo, it looked so much effortlessly than it did when you had Harden and Russ together. It looked like Russ didn't really know where to be on the court sometimes with Harden where what is with Beal. Beal can play off ball a little bit more better than Harden can at this point in the career. So it was just it was just effortless for you for him to just make a transition pass to Beal or hit him in a spot up three. And then Beal can still go ISO from time to time. And then there's just Russ just looked like he was having more fun. He looked like he was a little bit more fluid. He looked healthier knowing that he's coming off the the rest that he got from the injury, the injury during the playoffs. So I like what I see. I don't know how I think the Wizards are going to be this season. Sure. I think I got to see offensively from them, though. And I think Russ is going to have a bounce back year. People aren't going to be able to call him trash anymore like they were calling him people last season. People shouldn't have called him trash. They mislabeled him. He wasn't trash. You know, like his his numbers-wise says he wasn't trash, right? People saw, like, people saw with their eyes. They pick and they saw, like, okay, he, he's not hitting a three as much. We we established on, you know, we, we established a conversation. He needs to focus on driving and, and, and mid-range and, and kind of stay away from the three. Same thing applies with Bill. You know, I always say Bradley Bill's a third. You know, he puts up eff- efficient, effortless thirty-point games, but doesn't win. And that's the microcosm of what we saw last night. Great numbers, don't get them done at when it matters. And they, you know, Bill had great numbers. Russell had great numbers. Neither one could get it done. And that's a that's a, that's a microcosm of both Russell and Bill's career so far. Absolutely. And then tomorrow is Christmas Day. Happy holidays to everybody that's tuning in and listening. We have great games for the NBA tomorrow. And I'm only excited for three of them, but there's still going to be games we're going to be watching. I, again, I still stand by my statement. I think the Warriors and Bucks game and Pelicans and Heat game could have been revamped. You keep the Heat, you keep the Bucks, make them play each other, and then you take two other teams. For instance, Suns and the Trailblazers or the you're, Utah you're the, Jazz. The only person who wants to see the Utah Jazz on national television. Maybe not the Utah Jazz, but I, I'd rather see a team that is not so... Honestly, you're the only person who wants to see the Suns on national television, too. I do want to see the Suns. I, I just I think this is going to be a good season for them. Why? I just Why? like... I don't... One, I have no, listen, I get it. I get Chris Paul. I like Chris Paul. I like Aiton. I like Booker. I'm a Booker fan. I a fan of the head coach, Monty Williams, coming from the Sixers. I don't Sixers. think they're anything I'm a fan special. Of Monty Williams. 
I'm a fan of Mike Williams. He's a good head coach, black head coach. I like him. I think I like Devin Booker. Devin Booker's. I think Devin Booker hasn't. He's underappreciated for what he does for that team. He, he does a lot, but he they're, still they're, hasn't made an All Star game. That team is not anything special. That team is at at the very best, the seventh best team in the West. That's a that was crazy. That's the first time you could ever have said that, though. At the very absolute tippy top best peak, that team is the seventh best team in the Western Conference. And in a season ago, to two seasons ago, you would have said at best they're the tenth or ninth best. So again, that they're just going steadily growing. And that's many, what you want to see wait, from wait, these Cinderella. How many times have they been growing steadily? I feel like the Suns have been steadily, quote unquote, steadily growing for fifteen years now. No, 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 no. When they had Steve Nash and Stoudemire, they were at the peak. They were at their peak. They knew what they were good. They knew they were good. And didn't and didn't get and didn't get anywhere close to a championship. Hey, man, you you play with, you play against Kobe Bryant. You knew it was coming. You play against San Antonio Spurs. It happens. The same thing with the Pacers when they were going against the Bulls. You knew you you knew you were going to sniff Michael Jordan. You weren't you weren't getting that. But chance. here's but here's my thing though. Those Just teams like, were championship caliber teams. In in retrospect, you could say the Suns were a championship caliber team. No, they, they made it to the Western Conference Finals and took, took uh, Kobe one, six. One, one year, you know, whatever. But ever since then, they've been, quote, unquote, steadily rising. Well, that's just a, re- that's a rebuild for them. After, how, after, that, how after can, that team. How long can the rebuild last? Like, oh, all right, I get it. The Redskins oh, have been rebuilding for 30 oh, years. I say, I rebuilds it. take a long time. Ask, ask the Browns. The rebuilds take a long time. Hey, hey, the Browns got 10 wins this year. Well, hey, that's what I'm uh, saying. Ask the Browns. The rebuilds I was, take I was a year old. I was a year off on the Browns, but listen, the Browns, twenty years for the Browns to get this uh, great season. But here's my thing: How many times have we, you know, I don't, I'm not excited. I don't want to see a rebuilding team on national television. I don't care. I don't know. I'm excited to see a team that can that's polished now. They look. They're they not the polished. Whoa, you can say they're a little bit more polished now with veteran leadership. They didn't have a, a little, a little more years. polished is not polished. A little more polished is progress. They're progressing, sure. They're not there yet. Well, that's what I'd rather see. They're not a middle of the I'd rather see a progressing team in Christmas. I want to see exciting games on Christmas. I don't want to see They're not even a middle of the pack team in the West. I don't want to see blowouts on Christmas. I want to see exciting matchups. I want to see great games. If you said, if you said, oh, I want to see the Denver Nuggets, okay, cool. I can get they play they already got that. That's a rematch game, Clippers and Nuggets. That's a 10-30. I will be tuned in. If if you could say, I want to see the Clippers, because you know they got Kawhi and they got PG, you know, people like I will be now. If you said I want to see the Sixers, absolutely I want to see the Sixers. Even if you say I want to see the Sixers, okay, cool. If you say I want to see the Pacers. Yeah, come on, let's go. Get up out of no, 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 no. But I do. I, I wish I could see the Sixers or Christmas. If you Day. say, if you say, oh, I want to see, uh, uh, the Hornets. So okay, you're a hard time thinking the good East teams. Lamelo. Okay, I can understand that. Um, after the first game of Lamelo last night or the two nights ago, actually, I, I wasn't, I wasn't excited. The man didn't really showcase what he showcased in the preseason. You know, teams play differently season openers. It happens. It's it's one game. You can't. No, I'm just it's saying, eight, again, I'm not trying to see... How many times have I had this conversation with you? You can't base everything on one out of 82. It's just one. You, you always say the seasons don't start till Christmas. Yeah, but usually the seasons have been going on since October. Well, well, guess what? You got your wish. The season starts on Christmas. Well, I'm happy for that, but I don't think they don't need to, they don't need to go 82 from Christmas. They need to go... Well, like, there's only 70 games a season in a 70. game. To end this segment, I would have liked to see the Sixers play on Christmas game. I feel like we've earned that right now. We just dominated the Bucks last Christmas with that broken and, and roster. And what did it get them? And what well, did I'm just saying, with that broken roster, you dominated a team that was poised to win a championship that inevitably did not do it. I, I would like to see another Christmas Don't say game. that the Sixers yeah. earned anything. They have earned nothing. They have earned my They've sp- earned a Christmas game. They I don't have know if we're going to earn an all-star sport. game, but we've earned a Christmas game. But I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm all in on the Sixers. Moving on to to all in, all in the college football playoff. We got four teams ready to go for it all. You know, there's a lot of consternation. That's a good SAT word about who should be where, who really deserves to be there. Is Ohio State deserving of a playoff spot? Is Alabama really the best team in the country? Do we play favorites with the SEC? There's a lot of, you know, a lot of conversation going on in college football. And among the, 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 the final four is the final four Heisman finalists. Jenna, I want to get your thoughts first on the Heisman finalists that have been announced 
um, for this year. And your thoughts on maybe who takes home the gold? So the four 2020 Heisman finals is going to be wide receiver Devontae Smith from Alabama, mm-hmm. quarterback Mac Jones, quarterback Trevor Lawrence, and quarterback Kyle Trask. Trevor Lawrence is from Clemson. Kyle Trask is from the Florida Gators. And Mac Jones is the starting quarterback for the Alabama. And you've seen this as I like I like these four finalists. You haven't seen a wide receiver as a finalist in years. The last time a wide receiver even won a Heisman Trophy was Desmond Howard in 1991. So now Smith is just four finalists among wideouts since Howard's win, which is something you haven't really seen in a while. I liked it. I liked what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith had 98 receptions, 137.4 yards per game, and he's had 19 total touchdowns this season. And then you're looking at Mac Jones, who has a 76.5 completion rating, throwing for 340 passing yards per game, 32 touchdowns, four interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, 69% completion rate, 305 passing yards per game, 22 touchdowns and four interceptions. And then Kyle Trask, who's just been breaking records all throughout this entire season. I believe he even broke Joe Burrow's record for passing yards and stuff like that. He scored, he had 69% completion rating with 375 yards passing and he threw for 43 touchdowns and five interceptions. I think this is a very good Heisman list. It's up for grabs. I would love to see Devontae Smith make it, but I think the best he'll get is this Heisman finalist achievement, just being on the list. Because when you're looking at who can potentially win it, I'm, I'm right now I'm looking at two, and that's going to be Kyle Trask and Mac Jones as the two leaders for who can potentially win this Heisman finalist. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I think, has a very good shot as well, but it's just – with him missing games due to the COVID, I think that puts him back just a little bit. But again, his name was always in contention since the season started. Um, other notable players that made the list but didn't really get a chance to sh- be on this Final Four, N- Najee Harris made the list from Alabama. And then Ohio State also had a finalist in Justin Fields, who was seventh in the voting for the Heisman Trophy. And again, it's hard to see why he wouldn't be on he's a very good quarterback 6'3 he's athletic he's fast he's probably going to be a good first round pick for this NFL draft but with all the controversy due to the shortened season that Ohio State saw and they only played about half as many games as his peers from the SEC and ACC this is a team that was a top four of the ranking since the first release in week 14 but they're only six and no so you didn't really get to see enough of him for him to be in this top four finalist but at to even just be sniffing a top 10 in the Heisman finals is still a great achievement in all honors for Ohio state, because the fact is they've just gone through so much scrutiny and so much blame is going towards them. That's unwanted because people think are feeling that they shouldn't be in these semifinal games for the playoffs and for the championship. And you, you can't really blame it on this program as a whole. You have to really blame it on the NCAA playoffs. NCAA playoffs has a broken structure. They're talking now about maybe adding in more teams or potentially fixing fixing some of the rules that they had to amend for Ohio State, allowing them even be a part of this championship because of the fact is they have rules saying if you haven't played enough games, you can't be a part of it. They mm-hmm. had to amend that because of the uh, so many cancellations for Ohio State. So and a lot of that wasn't Ohio State's fault. No, it wasn't. But they're they're getting more of the they're getting more of the blame than what should be given out to the NCAA as a whole and just these divisions or programs like these, it's just how it is. So here's, here's my thing. The Big Ten as a whole decided they weren't going to play. SEC, this, every conference had a different start date, quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The four best teams in the country, not the four best teams in the country who played at least eight games. It's the four best teams in the country. Is Ohio State one of the best four teams in the country? Yes or no? Yes. Even they, in the 6-0, they, they, they they've dominated the every game they played. Then they deserve to be in. They're they're better than Texas A and M. I think they're better than any 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 kind of on the cusp type team that you can put out there and say like, oh, what about them? Oh, what about them? Oh, what about them? no? Ohio State's better than them. Ohio State's one of the best four teams in the country. They might be the best team in the country. Whether or not they play six games, eight games, it doesn't really matter. Ohio State is good. Yeah, and then you have the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. That'll be January 1st. It'll be Alabama versus Notre Dame. That's the one versus the four. Mm-hmm. And then Clemson versus I'm Ohio State, which would be the rematch. Question. How much does Notre Dame lose by? Um, Honestly, I don't I don't think they're going to lose by as much as we think they're going to lose by. Again, I think this is going to be a close game. Because maybe a lot of people had Alabama blowing out the Gators, and that was a very close game. Mm-hmm. But after watching Clemson dominate Notre Dame, especially in the passing game, 
This is something that you might not see as much prevalent from Alabama because they're really so focused on Devonta Smith gets open. He's going to get his plays. But Najee Harris runs like he's a tank for that team. So it really depends on how much the run game is going to be developed for Alabama, how really well they can run and just get the ball downfield on Notre Dame. That's how it's good to see. But Alabama's defense isn't as top tier as it previously was. Go to their predecessors and go to the previous teams that they've had. This is a good defensive team. They have very good talent. But it's just not the same as the previous years. And it, it goes to show you, I think it's going to be a two-touchdown game. <laughs> not but, as close as we think still. No, but but no, two touchdowns not in college, two touchdowns bad because many are seeing this to be a just a crazy blowout. The same I think, as I think Clemson versus Notre Dame. A 28-point game. See, that's that's many people believe in the same thing because just as Clemson dominated them 34 to 10 last week, many are seeing the same outcome for Alabama. And I, I don't know if I can say that after just watching the Alabama versus Gators game. I knew Alabama was gonna win that game, but it was a nail biter. It, ha- it had me on the edge of my seat the whole night. 52 to 46, Alabama versus Florida. I, I was just in love with the game. You get to really see Mac Jones just play his best. Not Najee Harris had 178 yards, two touchdowns. And then you get to see Kyle Trask, who was a Heisman candidate, throw 408 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the reasons why the Gators just couldn't really get over the hump is because they didn't have any rushing this season. Right. Henry Jones only got 24 yards and two carries that game. Mm-hmm. Kadarius Tony only had two yards. I mean, he had two carries, 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't, when you look at, it's night and day, when you look at Alabama's rushing compared to other teams and that's just off the focal point that Najee Harris when I said 178 yards two touchdowns he had 31 carries mm-hmm. and it just that's just how much of a tank he is and he still caught the ball in the backfield he had I believe 67 yards and five receptions for three touchdowns that game so I'm, I'm, I like what I see I think it's going to be Alabama and potentially Clemson in the championship game again mm-hmm. for their what fourth rematch now I feel like they do play a lot they yeah, so it's it's gonna be another in in our in, in this, this decade anyway is gonna be about their fourth rematch, I believe. So I, I think that's how it's gonna turn out. I'm really like what I see for Alabama. I I think Ohio State's gonna give Clemson run for their money. Clemson is already talking their trash. They saying, "Man, we're getting ready for Ohio State. We're gonna we're looking at the schemes. We're running. We're getting ready." But when I look at Justin Fields, and I'm like, "Man, this kid's got it. He's talented." <laughs> yeah. So I can see him making a run against Clemson. I can see him dominating. But again. Ohio State couldn't get it done when they had Chase Young, and that was a defensive juggernaut last season for them. And they still have some very good defensive weapons this season. Well, I, I just don't know if I can see the same thing as what I saw last season do it again. Because when you look at Ohio State, I like what I saw from Trace Sermon, who had, I believe, against the Northwestern game, 331 yards and two touchdowns. But again, they played Northwestern. Right. I, I don't know. That was the last game they played too. It was North, Northwestern was ranked number 14, six and two team. But when you look at what Northwestern's competed against this entire season, Ohio state was probably one of the best teams they played in this. Mm-hmm. They got dominated. Justin Fields only had 114 yards and, and he threw for two interceptions. Again, it was another reason why he was falling off the ladder of the Heisman award because he's had games where he's thrown three interceptions or two interceptions out of the six that he's played. So I think Ohio State is going to give Clemson a run for their money. If I, I was a betting man, I would bet the over. Mm-hmm. I'm but I'm, I think I'll bet the NBA Christmas games before I bet these uh, college football games because I, 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 hey, I want a sure thing. I did bet the NBA Christmas games. We'll talk after the show. <laughs> Speaking of Christmas games, the NFL has a Christmas game, and we have the Saints and Vikings which could mean a lot for the NFC playoff picture, which is tightening up ever, ever, ever so rapidly. The Saints, who are coming off of uh, uh, two straight L's, um, they lost to the Chiefs, they lost to the Eagles. They kind of fell out of that number one spot. Green Bay is kind of, you know, you know they're fighting, they're jockeying for position at number one spot in the NFC. But at the back end of the NFC, there's a team in the NFC East that has to make it. And the NFC East playoff picture is very tight. And a lot of these teams, what? It, it ain't, it ain't, it tight. ain't. It's very tight, tight between two teams, maybe. In the it's, NFC very, East. it's very tight between all, all four teams in the NFC East are still mathematically eligible to win the division. I, I, don't, I don't see the Eagles winning the division. 
I don't. Here's the, here's the thing. I, but hey, we got hey, a shot. Here, listen, <laughs> we got a shot. Sure. Listen to me. I've I've always I've said it. If you're gonna, if somebody got to win, you might as well just win it and get the playoffs. Put get the playoff game. Long term, you know, logic says like, you know, just chalk the rest of the season, take the top ten pick, and run with it, right? But here's 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 the thing. The Giants have to lose one of the last two games, right? Washington has to lose. Basically, they have to lose out. Eagles have to win out. Cowboys have to lose one of the one of the next two, right? Cowboys play the Eagles next week or this week coming up. Giants play. Giants play. They have the Ravens this week. The Ravens, right? And then Washington plays Carolina. It's not out the realm of possibility that Washington and the Giants both lose the Eagles win versus Dallas setting up Eagles Washington week 17 winner take winner take all in the division and the Eagles sneak into the division at that'd, six nine and one. That'd break my heart if the Eagles sneak into this division win the division. Eagles sneak into a, a home playoff game versus Tampa Bay, possibly. At I'd, six nine and one, I'd, I'd be so conflicted because I'd be hyped they made the playoffs, but oh, I'd break my heart because that's just you're sacrificing a good draft pick, and there's so <laughs> much talent in this draft. Like when I t- we talked about it last week, who we brought in to the Eagles organization that just helps with drafting, and I'm I'm telling you, this assuming is assuming that his voice is heard and he's it, able it, to lead again, you're right. Even if if he's not even if he's not able to lead in the way, this is a guy that's going to be in the GM's ear that just knows how to draft talent. It's, say, it's, it's say, nothing to be in his ear. It's another thing for the for the GM to actually listen. But again, yeah, that is true. And then we're we're talking about. I'm just I'm just saying, man. Like talent in this draft, we've already named some names. We've named Heisman candidates. We Jamar Chase is in the draft. Michael Parsons is in this draft. I, I'm I'm just like, oh man, the, this is guys. That I'm just like, hey, hey, hey. I would like to see him on Eagles. It doesn't make us better in a year, but. This is for the longevity of your season. This is just potentially what you see. But a team like the Washington football team against the Carolina Panthers, you mentioned how this is a team that they could potentially lose. Well, Dwayne Haskins as a starting quarterback and everything going on around him, I could potentially see them losing this game. Here's the now, thing. I, don't, I don't like what they have, too. I like the pieces that the Washington football team has right now. Here's the thing about Haskins. He's doing the very James Hart. He's taking the very much James Harden approach. Now, if he come out in the strip club and then he balling out and putting up fifty, that's one thing. But if he come now, he got he got throw out them fifty k. He's getting fined. He lost his captainship. He was still a captain for this year. He lost his captainship. Yeah, I'm deeply embarrassed for Dwayne Haskins right now. I'm, I'm not embar- I'm not embarrassed for Dwayne Haskins. No, I'm not embarrassed. I'm disappointed. I'm not disappointed. He's a I am. I'm disappointed. 20, dude, he's twenty three. It's what I get it. It's a it's a bad look. I get it. No, no, no. See, you're saying it's a bad look because he's at a strip club. No, I'm disappointed because right now I know you're 23. You're young. You're excited. You're in the NFL, but Dude, when you're I in got NFL, I got bank. You have a platform right now where you're in a NFL and you're going through this global pandemic. You go into a strip club after a loss and you're not wearing a mask. You got women dancing on you and stuff like that. That's not the precedent you want to set right now. About no he's not worried about no Never mind. He's not worried about COVID. And that's the thing. That's not the precedent that the NFL has been trying to say, even though because they've been a little bit behind on this whole COVID thing. They've been what, behind. Listen, if it wasn't, if, it, if he say. wasn't Dwayne Haskins and he was, you know, whoever, whoever's backup quarterback, no one would care. It wouldn't be a big story. It's because honestly he, that is true too. This was it's because he's now else. expected to start. Now it's a problem. If he was, if Alex Smith wasn't hurt, if, it'd be a second thought. It, no one would even care. Like no one because would. Because oh, you, you're the, the back. Yeah, you're the backup anyway. Alex Smith has been the lead leading carrier for this team. Again, I think that's another reason why they're going to lose because without Alex Smith, I don't really. Alex Smith doesn't have, hurt. See, here's the thing about Alex Smith. Alex Smith may not push the ball down the field, make plays that, but Alex Smith does not give the ball up. He does not give you easy turnovers. He holds on to the ball. He manages the situation accordingly. I mean, he does make plays down the field, though. He's still got a little cannon to him. If you've seen the McLaurin plays and the Logan Thomas plays, he used to be a QB. But you get what I'm saying? Like, he's not someone who's 
pushing. He's not pushing the pop. He's not pushing the envelope. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how much faith I have in Dwayne Haskins. I mean, one of his better games has been against the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's not really saying much at this point. In his career. those dudes stink. Yeah, so it's not not really saying those much. scrubs. And I'm talking about better games than a win. I'm not talking about better games than a loss. I'm talking about better games than a win. So I have high expectations for Dwayne Haskins. I still think he could be poised to be a very good quarterback in this NFL league. Let's move on away from the NFC East because it's just depressing talking about them. Just so depressing. We bring up the Steelers. Wait, and- wait. You know what's really depressing? If the Cowboys win, that's depressing. That's very, that's very depressing. It would truly ruin my Christmas. It would ruin, it would ruin what's already been a terrible year. Well, we're, we're talking about the college football, uh, not college, NFL football. We talked about college football, NFL football. And I'm looking at a team that we, I once thought, was a team that could still potentially go to the Super Bowl or just make get some playoff wins and go deep in the playoffs. Now it was the Steelers. And I said I didn't want them to go 16-0. You argued me when I said Ben Roethlisberger should never be should not be in this MVP conversation. I, I stand by that statement. He shouldn't be in this MVP conversation. It wasn't him that was the driving force of this team in the MVP or why they were 10-0 at the time or 8-0 at the time. It was that defense. That defense was a driving force. Now, Ben Roethlisberger played good through that defense playing good. But mm-hmm. right now, with all the injuries on that defense, the cracks are starting to open up a little more. The se- their teams are starting to get through the seams because they're exposing the non-existent run game of the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger's dinging and dunking that he's done all season has been inefficient now. Teams teams read it easily. They know what they're doing. They can't really get downfield with Chase Claypool because Ben Rothberg can't really throw downfield. Juju Smith-Schuster has looked like a shell of himself since his breakout season. And right now, the Steelers, are, I think they might potentially lose the last two games of the season. Who do they play? The Colts this Sunday, and they play the Browns the following week. Okay. that's Looking at it, looking at it that could be two games where they end up losing and they go from 10-0 to 11-5. And that's and they, they now they're backing into the playoffs. And going back to what I said a couple uh, episode ago about how Pittsburgh can still make a run because of their defense and their defense is elite. I I still believe that. But if their offense is going to struggle and you know do what you know they can't really get any type of momentum, they're not going anywhere. And no team is going anywhere if you can't if you can't perform on one side of the ball. The best teams in the league performing both sides of the ball consistently. Or like 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 Kansas City can put up a thousand points, but their defense has to make plays, right? That's just with everybody. So you look at Pittsburgh and at different points of this year, you could argue they didn't really beat any good teams. Like and they very they played a lot of bad teams very closely. Pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh played Philadelphia very close. Pittsburgh played Dallas very close. Pittsburgh played even Jacksonville hung around. You know, like these te- they're teams that really hung around with Pittsburgh that had no business. Uh, um, did Jacksonville really hang around? I think didn't the Steelers beat them twenty seven to three. But at this, here's here's my point though. You go back and watch that game. A lot of Jacksonville's mistakes were self induced. It wasn't like Pittsburgh was doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like. If you didn't know the score, you would think like, oh, it's it's kind of relatively close, you know. Like Jacksonville held their own on, you know, parts of the line of scrimmage, they were making some plays, had some money, shot themselves in the foot, whatever. Bad yeah, I mean, teams. they had a backup QB and Jake Lutton, I believe his name is playing. That's so. what that's what bad teams do. But anyway, <laughs> my point being, Pittsburgh never put their foot down and kept their foot on the gas. It was always like you know, they get ahead a little bit, kind of coast. Get ahead a little bit, kind of coast. Get ahead a little bit, kind of coast. And it kind of and it caught up to them. And I said this, if you go back and look, I said it's going to catch up to them where you can't keep, you can't, like I said this with Kansas City, you can't let teams hang around, hang around, hang around. Eventually it's going to cost you. Now you had a divisional, a divisional opponent in Cincinnati who, who kind of caught you. You kind of were maybe looking ahead to Indianapolis or looking ahead to Cleveland. And not realizing, like, hey, you got you got the Cincinnati team serious, you know. So Pittsburgh has to take take a look, good look in the mirror because they could end up going from ten and zero and one of the quote unquote best teams in the league to eleven and five and getting bounced in the first round because it's 
at the way that they're going right now, it's very possible. I think another team that needs to take a good look in the mirror, I love that analogy you use, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's a team that they still have high expectations on them. They've lost games they shouldn't have lost. They've lost the game they should have lost. But right now, they don't look like a championship team. The defense that I think is still very good, it has the potential, that secondary is so boomer bust right now. And that's the perfect way to describe it because they have such young faces in that secondary. These are guys that are going to go for the big risk, high reward plays that if it doesn't work out, well, that's a touchdown. They ended up being down 17, no, I believe, what, 24 to 7 at one point in the Falcons game. And then Tom Brady doing what Tom Brady does, they were able to make a comeback. And again, the Falcons doing what they, the Falcons do against Tom Brady, they allowed the, the comeback. But I'm looking at this team that's probably, they, they can pretend, they still can make the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. But I don't know if they're actually going to win a playoff game. And this is a team that has so much talent. Depend, depending them. on who they play. And I'm saying, depending on who they play, this is a team that has so much talent surrounding them. Man, I would hate to see them go out just with, just with a, making the playoff and then losing. This is what you want to see on Tom Brady's resume when every we've, we've all clamored about him having a lack of talent when he won Super Bowls. He's won Super Bowls off the strength of Bill Belichick, play calling, but also the fact that he was just so talented as a quarterback, he was able to find the right people. He won a Super Bowl where it was one of the most lackluster Super Bowls ever against the Rams. And when it was just abysmally bad, it was a defensive game. But that game was bad. It wasn't a bad game. It was a defensive game, like you said. And that was still a bad game. It doesn't make it it a bad game. It was horrendously offensively bad. There was nothing you can enjoy about that game. You just, okay. There weren't even there weren't even good defensive takeaways for you to say, oh man, it's a defensive battle where they're going back and forth. No, it was just it was just it was, it was a defensive, it oh, was it was a defensive out, struggle. It was, it was a bad game. It wasn't enjoyable. It, to it wasn't you. fun to watch. It was, to you. It was, it, was to you. it was it was it was entertaining to me. One of the lowest rated Super Bowls in a while. Like that's it wasn't just me. The Super Bowl ratings that season. Well, everybody, people had Brady fatigue. Maybe. Let's blame it on Brady fatigue. Let's not just blame it on it. It's just a bad Super Bowl. Listen, whatever the ratings were, it was a it was an entertaining game. This season, Tom Brady has had some of the most tremendous weapons he's ever had. The return of Antonio Brown, who's playing pretty good football, even though he's missed about what eight games this season. He had mm-hmm. he, had, he had playing pretty good football. Mike Evans still doing what Mike Evans does. Chris Godwin was there. Leonard Fournette, when they actually run the ball, looks very good. I'm not disappointed in what you see in this offense. It's just the play calling is what has been a little lackluster mm-hmm. they're so pass heavy that they that i guess they're hoping for young tom brady to reemerge, forgetting how old he is in this league mm-hmm. and the one thing that's unbeaten and I, I love that analogy that a lot of analysts use is that the one thing that's unbeaten in sports is is time time is unbeaten you, you can't beat that it catches up to you right. and right now you can see it in both tom brady and you can also see it in ben rossberg that time is affecting them the throws that they used to make aren't as crisp as it, as it once was. Tom Brady is 43 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I like when I get to see him throw downfield, but we're not going to be seeing a lot of 60-yard bombs downfield that are going to be as accurate as they used to be. It it's, just, it's not happening. The same thing with Ben Rossberger. And there are times when you watch these Steelers games, because you even mentioned it, where they, they leave some teams hanging in there, is because some of the accurate throws that you would want to see downfield aren't there. Mm-hmm. Again, there's also the fact that Juice Mastrucher is just having a lackluster season. I don't know what's going on with him. I guess dancing on the turf hasn't been helping him because now he's now come out saying he's not going to be doing that anymore. And I think that wouldn't have been a problem if they kept winning, but now that they're losing, it's become a factor. But when you look at these of teams, of course, every, everything everything is all the extra stuff is good when you're winning. Yeah, so when I think when you look at those two teams, I think they still have a chance to really make a playoff push like really really compete where the Steelers can compete against the Chiefs to see who's going to go to the, the Super Bowl I think for the Buccaneers case they got a lot of teams to go through in the NFC the Saints look good even though they just lost to the Chiefs the Saints still look good the Packers are still my favorite to win the NFC and then the Seahawks are still in the mix as well like these Definitely. are teams these are teams that are just poised. Let's they, not forget about who comes out the end <laughs> uh, not even that but then you got a wild card spot where the Rams and the Cardinals are probably going to be fighting for a wild card spot. And you're I mean, right, there's seven spots now. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, man, both of those teams can make it. I'm, Kyle Murray in the playoffs might be a little, might be different with D-Hop there. Because Kyle Murray hasn't seen the playoffs. This will be his first time there. But D-Hop knows what it's like. 
And from what he's experienced last season, it might be a different maturity level for him, might be a different mentality going in. It's like, man, we got to keep our foot on the gas the whole way through, especially right. on the offensive end. So I, I, don't, I, I would like to see the Buccaneers really start to get their strides out these last two weeks, really get the prep work they need done, maybe run the ball some more. And that's, that's the thing I think Bruce Arians has to really tend to, he tends to forget sometimes is that you have two good weapons in Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Run the ball. Easy. Just go. Just sometimes you just got to ram it down the opposing team's next throats. Just kill them in the run game because then it just helps with the passing game. Mm-hmm. And a team that Chris just can't stand talking about, but we're going to have to bring them up. No, we're not. No, we don't. We're going to have to. No, we don't. That's very no, we don't. good. No, we They're don't. competing against another team in the same division. Who cares? And that's the Tennessee Titans. They're first uh. in the AFC South. Uh, they are first in the city. They play the Packers on Sunday, and this is going to be a very good game. I can't wait for Aaron Rodgers to wipe the floor with these bums. These but the Titans and the Colts now are tied. And Not for long. Not for in, long. In, in the AFC South. Not for they're tied, long. <laughs> they're tied in the AFC South, and when you look at it, the Titans, if they continue to win, they, they basically win it. But even if they lose one and the, the Colts win one, they still have a chance to win that division because of the fact that the Colts have less divisional wins than the Titans do. So when you look at what I mean, the Titans have, yeah, no, no, I was right the first time. So when you look at this Titans team, it's a team that Chris has been sleeping on all season. Oh, no, 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 no! I'm very much aware. I'm very much aware of what they are—a one-dimensional, fraudulent football team. I don't think you can call them one-dimensional anymore. Why can't I? Have, what do you see? That's one-dimensional. They have what a two-thousand-yard receivers now this season, or poised to have two-thousand-yard receivers. Corey way. Davis having uh, 945 uh, yards for, so for far. For the record, I want everyone to just realize I just rolled my eyes at 2,000. <laughs> Whoopee. Not a lot of teams have that. Anymore. I understand that. They're not a pe- – listen. Now, that's, if that reminds you, that's if these two guys get 1,000 yards. They might Tannehill's be not a threat. Stop it. He's a glorified backup. He's Nick Foles but younger. Stop He's it. He's Nick Foles but younger. He's Nick Foles with a better team – with a better roster around him. If Nick Foles had Derrick Henry, he'd be Ryan Tannehill too. <laughs> I mean, period. Like I, full stop. I like Vrab- I like I like Coach Vrabel. I like the Titans roster. I just think they're very one. I think they're a very one dimensional team, and I want people to realize like they're not, you know, the upper echelon of the AFC. They're a solid team. They ain't all that. <laughs> I'm just saying that they get bashed up with a team that they could potentially go. They potentially see a division around these. Listen, 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 listen. Their greatest strength, and I'm I'm being completely serious now. I'm not being facetious. I mean this wholeheartedly. Their greatest strength is that they can maintain the possession of the football. They can handle. They can do what very few teams can do, and that's hand it off to their star running back forty times, and let him just hit, 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 and that's something that you need when it comes down to December, January football. Because if you want to keep playing football into February, you're going to be able to need to hold on to, to hold on to the football, control the line of scrimmage, play the time possession game, use your running game to set up your play action passing. That's why when you talk about the 2,000-yard receivers, that's what they do. They hand the ball off to Henry. They draw the defenders in. Tannehill has enough talent and ability to get the ball to the outside and get the ball into his playmaker's hands. Not even trying to be funny. Tennessee is a team that has the formula to win. The team who also has that formula in AFC is Cleveland. Because Cleveland and Tennessee are, are built very similarly. They both, they're both run first teams who can play off and then use their run to play off the play action. Both Tennessee and Cleveland use their quarterbacks on bootlegs, rollouts, move the pocket, keep them moving, keep the ball, uh, keep the ball moving. They try not to rely too heavily on their defense, but they can rely on the defense because they both have playmakers. Cleveland has their playmakers on the front lines and Vernon and Garrett on the ends. Um, Tennessee has uh, good good linebacker play, good safety play. They can make plays on defense, but they rely on holding on to the ball, minimizing mistakes, and using their their run game to set up their pass game through the play action and getting their – you know, outside receivers. In Cleveland's case, it used to be Odell and Landry. Now it's Landry, uh, Peoples-Jones, 
they have a different, they have, you know, with the Odell injury, they have a lot of different moving parts, but they're trying to get everybody situated. Cleveland, um, in Tennessee, you have A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, John New Smith. Um, they have a, they have these pieces. So, I, yeah, I, I give I give Tennessee a lot of hell. Half of it is half of it's probably deserved, <laughs> but to say that they're completely out of it in the AFC is asinine because their their formula to win is a formula that if I was if I had to pick a team based on who can hold on to the football, who can maintain time possession, who can move the line of scrimmage, who can play good defense, who has good coaching, who doesn't make silly mistakes. It's Tennessee, it's Cleveland, it's, you know, a, a couple of teams in the AFC. So, you know, that's it for me saying good things for Tennessee. Right, that might be the best you'll get out of him for saying good things. It was just more than you expected. I, didn't, I, I thought he was going to slander them this whole time. So, again, I like what I see when NFL playoffs approaching. Hopefully, we're going to enjoy seeing this new playoff format because, remember, it's all speculation if this is really going to be great to watch i like the concept that they're gonna add more teams but then i also think oh man you add more teams this one there's another chance for another injury to happen and mm. i don't i hate seeing playoff injuries because that's it once one of your star players goes down man that that'll ruin your chances for a super bowl it really does affect the a team mentality going into what they expect to be a super bowl winning season mm-hmm. so Again, um, and then it also stops the buys as well because remember, only one team actually gets to have that playoff buy. So again, I, I, I'm I'm really excited for this NFL playoffs to come. The NFC just can come and go. I think the Packers still can come out of this one on top. The AFC is really up for grabs. I know it's going to be the Chiefs, but when I'm talking about a team that's going to come out of the AFC to go to the Super Bowl, it's mm-hmm. The Chiefs are still on my priority list. I think they have it, but a team like the Bills, a team like the Steelers, a team like, as you mentioned, the Browns, the Colts, or even Titans, they have chances here. Whereas in the NFC right now, I can name you three teams that I think are the three teams that can really just go to the Super Bowl, and that's the Packers, Seahawks, and Saints. That's it. Those are the teams I'm like, man, if I was to take Tampa one now, Bay, Tampa Bay only because they have the weapons and they have the quarterback. Tampa Bay got the door creaked open where they they peeking through the, the, the ever so slightly, ever they, so slightly. Just they looking in, they're creeping in, but they got to get it together. What about Arizona? I don't think they're ready yet. I think they're having a very good season. I like what their head coach is doing. Mm-hmm. I like what I'm seeing from Kyle Murray. I think they have the pieces they're gonna they're developing the pieces soon i just don't think they're ready to go deep in the playoffs i don't think i don't think they might even make this playoff spot i think they'll i think the rams might really take it from them but then again it it, maybe not what about the la rams i do like the rams team i don't i don't like the way jared goff has been performing as of late when they were really when they were leading in that division then the seahawks kind of took back over Mm -hmm. but i like what i'm seeing again this is a football team that's predicated on just the short routes and the flats when it comes to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They had a very good run game in Todd Gurley, and they still have a good run game now with Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown. But with, with Todd Gurley there, you, you you were talking about how teams were able to control the possession. They were able to control the possession with a healthy Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the defense, man, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are good. And then I feel like they'll take it up another level come the playoffs. That's something that most teams don't have, which is two dominant players, like top five in their position guys and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. So if Jared Goff can get it together when it comes to playoffs and really just earn his money, like right now this season he's playing, he's paying for his money. He's, he's doing what he was doing to get this, this deal that he signed. Mm-hmm. Now when it comes to the playoffs, if he can just do that again and keep progressing the way he is, I think they have a shot. It's there. It's not as well as the other three teams I named. It's not as big. But I think he has a shot. I know he's playing with a chip on his shoulder after that Super Bowl loss and one of the worst, most boring Super Bowls ever. Okay. I know he got a chip on his shoulder. Okay. But again, it's possible. All right. I agree. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover? No, I'm pretty sure that was it. We'll see you guys New Year's. Wait. Before we talk about that, so let's 
we talked about how you know 2020 has been a year and it's winding down and we're at you know we're at, we're at the Christmas time for those of you for those of you who celebrate. What's give me one highlight of 2020 for you that you think back and, and look. I know it's not much that's but let's give me something that you think back and look fondly on. A sports highlight. Sports highlight. Oh Lord, I don't know. Um. You put me on the spot here. I can't even think of anything at the moment. I, I got, I got one. I got one in my head. It's kind of, it's kind of, you wouldn't expect it, but I, I think I have it. Um, sports highlight. Hmm. I, uh, I would say, um, last Saturday's Alabama and Florida Gators game. That was my highlight. That game had me on the edge of my seat. Was really into it. I, it was just a great game to see. I liked the back and forth. Like again, thought it was going to be a blowout. I really did. I really thought the Alabama was going to wash them through the waters. I'm like, I do, I do trash school and do his thing, but I didn't expect the game to be so close. I like the arcade stats that both teams put up a little bit when it comes to certain players. And I, I just thought it was a great game to watch for college football. I think there's that whole night. That whole night was just college football. That was a college football night. I don't think I watched anything else but college football that day. Mm-hmm. I didn't really talk about anything else with college football. It was just a very good day for college football. I liked what I saw. So I think that whole Saturday for me, just college football, watching playoff games take place, watching teams step up and perform, watching great blowouts, close games, upsets. I enjoyed that whole thing. Mm-hmm. That was probably my 2020 holiday, because especially when we didn't know we were going to make it to a college football playoffs because of COVID, so many cancellations, so many postponements. Getting able to see that and see these players have fun do their thing and ball out how some some of these guys are now declaring for the draft because of how well they've been performing throughout the season with all the scrutiny or all the adversity against them and all the contingencies that they had to go through with COVID Mm -hmm. that is just it's only building them up and making them stronger so I I guess that was my highlight I think um there's a lot of different um moments for me um, the moment I, when I first asked that question, my first thought was when LeBron passed Kobe in the all-time scoring, scoring list, because that was technically that's technically January 2020. It seems like forever ago. We, you know, he 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 shouts out Kobe, and then you know, tragically Kobe uh, passes away shortly after that. But I think the highlight for me, and it just goes back to the to the, the will of competitors. It, and it's something we don't talk about a lot on this show, but we um, the Women's U.S. Open when uh, Naomi Osaka won the the U.S. Open, and she had uh, Corday with her, um, YBN Corday, formerly known as, um, and her family's there, and she's celebrating, and she 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 says, I, you know, I, I did it for you know, I did it for Kobe, and I think you know she was one of the first, you know, athletes who. And athletes, you know, not women athlete, not male athlete, tennis, whatever, you know, and, and it really kind of began to show the world kind of how Kobe Bryant transcended sports, transcended gender. It didn't, you know, people of all races, colors, you know, athletic abilities, you know, could see something, you know, that he stood for, you know, pot, you know, work ethic, dedication something that he was so uh, known for and to see her persevere at such a young, she's 20, you know, she's 23. You know, we talked about Haskins being 23. Um, she's 23, such a young age, you know, and to go out there and compete and, and you know, during, during a pan, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, that's probably one of my bigger highlights of 2020. That was my, that was kind of like, yo, that's, that's, that's crazy, you know, so something you don't you wouldn't really expect to hear me talk about women's tennis, not named Serena Williams, but Naomi Osaka, kind of that picture, that that thought, kind of sums up twenty twenty for me. I get it. If I was a Lakers fan, I'd probably say the Lakers winning the championship, but I'm not a Lakers yeah. fan, so it wasn't. High I'm, listen, I'm a fan. I, just, I, I watch good basketball. I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. You know, I I, I, I want to root for LeBron. I was happy for him winning that fourth. Yeah, I was happy to see it. Again, if I was a Lakers fan, that'd probably be a highlight. It's ecstatic, but I'm not a Lakers fan. I was just excited to see basketball. Got to see a great finals. 
it was it was good to see the bubble was the most successful thing I've seen through COVID. So that's I guess that's another accomplishment. NBA's leaps and bounds ahead of other and a and Log- just log- any, especially especially logistically speaking. Yeah, just there are leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of athletic programs in throughout the world right now. And it just goes to show you that they have a great team around them. Adam Silver is a good commissioner. Owner ownership is a lot different than you see in other sports organizations as well. So again, it's just this hopefully 2021 is gonna be better. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll be bad. This COVID this COVID 19 pandemic will slowly will surely be behind us. And we're able to do more things, see more things. And let's just hope we, when we do our end of the year podcast, we'll have more exciting things to talk about. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, so thank you everyone for listening to episode number 51. If you celebrate the Christmas holiday, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Um, it's been a year, man. It's really did you, been a, did you just forget all the other holidays? No, I was just I had to reflect for a second, like, you know, damn, it's been it's been a long year. Um, but we're happy that you've stuck around with us. You know, we've had to, you know, take our hiatuses and breaks because there was no sports to talk about. So we couldn't get straight to the point on no points. So thank you for you know allowing us to be with you whenever we drop new content. Um, if you want to follow us on all your favorite socials, that's at STTP Podcast. Follow me on all your favorite socials. That's at underscore Chris Crossed. Follow me at JW Hughes underscore JW Hughes. Man, Chris already mentioned to follow the podcast. We are now at 417 followers and growing. We're trying Dang to get bro. to 500 by the end of the year. We're almost at the goal. One, Not even a week away. We're a couple of days away from the end of the year. Help us get there. Help us finish, get to 500. That's the end goal. We're still trying to get past that. But right now, that is the goal. Let's do it. Let's do it.